the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. This is the Pro-America Report on The Answer, San Diego. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Important day, an important day. We are going to refute refute the uh, Never Trumper movement that began in 2015. We continue to have to do this, and um, it is incredible to watch the narrative machine work so hard to try to make us stop talking about things that we think are important. I'm Ed Martin. It's the Pro-America Report. Glad you're here. Go over to ProAmericaReport.com, ProAmericaReport.com uh, to uh, check out the uh, all the different interviews we've had and all the things we're going on at the show. And also sign up for the daily email, will you? It's called The Wink, What You Need to Know. It goes out each morning, 8 a.m. East Coast, 5 a.m. Pacific. Thousands and thousands of people get the wink. I was at an event the other day. A man came up to me. He said, are you Ed Martin? I said, yeah. He said, every morning I get your wink and it's helpful. So thank you. So go over there, ProAmericaReport.com and sign up. Uh, you won't regret it. Okay. If you go to a website, LostNotStolen.org, LostNotStolen.org, you will see a shell of a site. Okay. There's no telling you who is there, who paid for it. There's no time. It's very slick though. I mean, it's, it's not too slick. It's basic, but it looks really nice. It's got a press page, which has all the links to uh, various people speaking in public and speaking on TV. Lostnotstolen.org. What is it? It is an ongoing example of exactly what happened in 2015 and 2016 that guaranteed Donald Trump won for president, and it guarantees he'll win again the way they're going. So July of 2022, the following serious people released a document. It's called Lost, Not Stolen. It's 72 pages, and the subtitle is The Conservative Case That Trump Lost and Biden Won the 2020 Presidential Election. Senator John Danforth, not conservative for decades now, not pro-life on cloning, not supportive of the good guys, left a law firm because the law firm objected to how he ran his uh, decision-making about his, his legal clients and his ethical duty. I mean, I don't know if he did anything wrong but I know he left suddenly after testifying for a client, for a, a friend who was uh, suing his own client, his own law firm's client. It's crazy, crazy story. Uh, Honorable Thomas Griffith, the judge, David Hopp. Honorable Michael Luddig, a massive Boeing lawyer. He was a judge, but he made a ton of money at Boeing and left just in time to parachute out. Honorable Michael McConnell. Honorable Ted Olson, not really that conservative anymore more libertarian, most of these guys, and Senator Gordon Smith. I don't even know who Gordon Smith is. It's been so long since he served. But here's the point. 72 pages they took to basically put shine a light on the fact that they're never Trumpers. And their assertion is that they're, they've looked. Now, they didn't do anything, right? Someone did this research for them, I think. If you look at it, it's not particularly meaningful. It's not particularly deep. They handle Michigan, all of the claims in Michigan, in four pages. They get, let me repeat that. 
all of Michigan's claims are three pages. They don't have, I mean, this is not a deep dive. They've, they, all of the Nevada claims are handled in five pages. Less than that, five pages, yeah, no, four. All of the Pennsylvania claims, thousands and thousands of claims, they handle in four pages. Now, they do have addendum. You're supposed to go to the addendum. In other words, they've, done the re- they've done, had someone do research and basically write a law review. If you look at it, it looks like a law review. It's a law review kind of case, a kind of a document, and it's not serious. It's just not serious. They list from page 16 through 72 is a list of cases, and it's a description of the fact that none of the cases got adjudicated. None of them went to trial. So the the standard for whether there was anything wrong in 2020 is whether Jack Danforth says, based on his assistant's reading of the clips, that there's been no court cases that got to the bottom. We already knew that. So what is this? Simple. It's another data point in what I would call the effort, the hoax, to keep us away from asking the question. Look. Somewhere around two-thirds of Democrats don't have confidence in elections. Somewhere close to 90% of Republicans don't have confidence in elections. Now, Jack Danforth can think it's because of Trump, but Hillary had people talking like that for three years. And up on Capitol Hill, they're having hearings about, I don't know, millions of people's concerns that the elections weren't right. So whatever they're doing, Senator Danforth, The goal is to have elections where people believe in the election system. Right now, it's not auditable. You know what we have to take his word for? Senator Jack Danforth, his word, his word is that Dominion didn't do anything. St. Jack Danforth is going to tell us Dominion didn't do anything. And therefore, we're all supposed to salute and say, oh, well, St. Jack Danforth said they didn't do anything. In the introduction, they quote the fact, they quote an Australian who says the Australian? Oh, maybe yeah. No, it's uh, uh, oh, sorry, it's um Paul Kelly, a columnist from Australia, quoting Jonathan Haidt, who's an American. But the quote is: "We just don't know what a democracy looks like when you de- drain all the trust out of the system." Well, that's right, Senator Danforth, and you're not creating any trust by telling us all to shut up and go home. You are not creating trust by saying in 72 pages, 15 of which are actually sort of an argument. The rest are an addendum with all these links. It's a law review article. Nobody trusts it when the answer is, when the question is, is the election system in the 50 states plus the territories, are those systems auditable, transparent, and able to be checked? And the answer from St. Jack Danforth and the other fakers is, oh, it's not, it's none of your business. Nobody was able to show it was fraudulent. Therefore, there wasn't any problem. What? All I'm asking is if you're serious, show me how we can have a system of elections in 50 states and the territories that is auditable, transparent, and people can know that it works. Don't tell me to go back to my cubicle, go back to my garage, go back to my Twitter feed or whatever it is you're telling us with this document. Think about this. And you know, the arrogance, the, the, the re, what you need to know is the arrogance of these people to tell us, you little people don't know, that's breathtaking. 
But the real trick here, the real key here is to understand that the narrative machine requires additional data points. It requires additional moments where they can point to and say, ah, it's not just that no court adjudicated anything. It's also that a bipartisan compilation of conservatives, serious names have come to the conclusion it was lost, not stolen. And it's, it's this classic American, actually this, the lost, not stolen is like the steel dossier. <laughs> this is the steel dossier. Lost, not stolen by Jack Danforth is the steel dossier. Because what they're doing is creating something that's full of half-truths and assertions and then putting it out in such a way that the media will all quote it. And by the time you're done, you will have lost, not stolen, quoted in law reviews and in the editorial pages as authoritative. Why? Because it was floated out there just like the Steele dossier. Totally fraudulent, totally misleading, totally arrogant. They broke no new ground, Senator Danforth and his people. They did nothing new except lecture us, and they, but they did it with lots of money. By the way, no, nobody's disclosed where the money came from. Somebody paid for that research. Somebody paid for that website. Why is the dark money allowed to do this report? You're not trying to tell me that Senator Danforth did this research, are you? So this is a dark money play. This is a steel dossier. Jack Danforth steel dossier. And it's going to be used the same way. It will be cited. It probably will be cited by the select committee, the January 6th select committee. (coughs) Excuse me. It'll be cited in court. It will be cited in court. It will be cited into the future. This is how the fake history is written. What an embarrassment. What a shame. What a disservice. Again, I have not seen anybody come forward with the smoking gun that the election in 2020 was stolen. But we've seen in print the Democrats admit that they fortified the election in every way they possibly could, including circumventing Pennsylvania state law, although the Pennsylvania Supreme Court didn't take it up until after. But still, the Democrats admitted that. We have 2,000 mules, which Jack Danforth just dismisses and says, oh, 2,000 mules doesn't mean anything. Why? Well, prove it's wrong. Prove what, 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 what Dinesh D'Souza brought up. Show how it's wrong. I'm, I, I'm not saying he proved everything. He had a view, a one-side view, his angle, but nobody's refuted it. And on and on and on. We have Wisconsin, a, case, a Supreme Court case. We have instances. And here's the thing, Senator Danforth. When tens of millions of Americans think something was wrong, It doesn't matter what you and your pals say to lecture us. What matters is how we can persuade each other that things are better and that things will work right. So show me, Senator, how you can show me, how you can help is show me how you have helped make the election systems in the 50 states, the District of Columbia, other territories more transparent, able to be audited, that people have confidence. It hasn't happened in most jurisdictions. And because it hasn't happened, more and more people, both parties, don't care. 
what white paper you drop. They don't believe you because they know the Steele dossier was fake. They know the January 6th Select Committee is a dog is a dog and pony show. It's going to say a show trial. And on and on. What you need to know is it's embarrassing. What an embarrassing moment. Wow. We'll take a break. We'll be right back. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Back in a moment. Welcome back. Welcome back. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. So uh, I, our next guest is an author, Braden Sorbo, and he reminded me, I reached out to him to have him come on and talk about his book and what he's doing and young people. He reminded me that we had met before and been connected, but I didn't, I guess I didn't follow up and get him on his, he's got a book out uh, about uh, six months, eight months ago called The BS Guide to Politics, Understanding Current Events Through Sarcasm, which is perfect, I think, for a young person. I've got some young people in my life. So first of all, welcome Braden Sorbo to the program. How are you? Thank you for having me. I'm great. What about yourself? I'm doing fine. So, Braden, I actually, before we get to the book and other things, your mom, who's fairly well known, Sam Sorbo, will talk about her experience Mm -hmm. as a parent um, getting her kids uh, to homeschool because she had not done that before. And she talks about how she just got fed up and she made that change. And now she's one of the leaders in really uh, helping people understand how to do it and have the courage and all. What's your perspective of that shift in your life? Because you are, what, in your 20s now, right? Are you 20-something yet? Um, and so do you remember it? Okay, there you go. So you're young. You remember that. What's your, mm-hmm. what's your perspective on moving from being in school to being homeschooled? I was so lucky. My mom fought for me. It was it was really a blessing to uh, to have that opportunity. It was second grade, and it was about halfway through the semester or the school year when my mom asked my teacher. She said, "Hey, how's Braden's book reports? Because you haven't really updated me." And without skipping a beat, my teacher goes, "Oh, they're terrible. They're they're not good at all." And my mom looks at her, "Why, why would you not tell me? Right? That's the <laughs> job. It's to inform the parent how the child's doing." Right. So my mom decided to sit down with me every day or every week I had a book report and help me write it, help me understand what I was writing about and help me kind of go through the process of writing a proper formal essay. And it was through that she learned what homeschooling was. And she learned that she had the capability of doing it because, and she speaks about this better than I do, but the school teaches you that you are incompetent in teaching children. It teaches you to be reliant on a system. Right, right. And so but she was trained. She was raised in the public school system and she thought she was completely incompetent and that she did not have what it took to be a homeschooler. And it was through doing the book reports with me that she learned that she could do that. And I'm just so grateful that she did. And I honestly, we fought, we argued about subjects. Like I didn't want to learn Latin during high school. I hated Latin. She's like, she speaks five languages fluently and I couldn't learn any of those. And we had some back and forth, but I'm grateful that she put her foot down and made me focus and made me learn and it made me a better person. Uh, again, we're, we're talking with Braden Sorbo. Okay. So now, um, you, uh, I mean, you, I don't, it wasn't the family business. In fact, the family business was sort of acting, but I guess, I mean, it wasn't sort of, it was acting. Although I always tease your mom, she was like a biomedical engineer major at, at Duke. Um, so she's mm-hmm. not, she's, she, you know, we, we don't talk about your dad who I think he is just an actor, but, but, but putting that aside for a second, you're, you're now, uh, making your voice known publicly. You've written a book. How do you find young people respond? 
to a young conservative? Is it is it mixed? Is it uh, is it? Are you able to find find your way? Are you finding converts? What's the what's the experience of being twenty and being conservative and wanting to raise your voice? So without a doubt, it's a mixed bag. You know, uh-huh. we're seeing the most conservative generation that we've had basically ever. Also, with the most politically correct activist generation we've had. It's a very interesting combination of this age range because, you know, you have the kids who were brought through the school system who think that big government is good, who believe all of these lies like socialism, and they're willing to fight tooth and nail through social media. And then you have the kids who have understood that it is that it is deception, that it is lies, and they're ones who are willing to fight against it. So you have a very stark contrast in the beliefs of the two generations. And it's interesting to see it grow, but my personal reaction has been primarily, you know, good. I have social media, as you know, like I do TikTok, I do jokes on there, and my jokes are all politically incorrect jokes. And I'm seeing nothing but pretty much acceptance of it, where every single time I try my best to push the envelope and make people really think. And I'm receiving a great, uh, great encouragement online, actually. Again, we're talking with uh, Braden Sorbo, and he is an author as well as a speaker, and he mentioned social media. I'll put his social media up uh, on, uh, our, on our social media, and also uh, we'll send it over and put it on uh, ProAmericaReport.com. Um, Braden, the book, The BS Guide to Politics, uh, Understanding Current Events Through Sarcasm, this is the part I, I'm interested in. I mean, I'm sarcastic too. I mean, I grew up in New Jersey. It's uh, like mm-hmm. in the, it's in the water there. So, but um, but young people seem to be particularly sarcastic. Is that is that sort of why you went there, or is that just you? Or again, how how is that received? So my dad is incredibly sarcastic, and I got it from him, which okay. he regrets teaching me to this day. <laughs> <laughs> right? He regrets teaching it to me, but. I think my generation is honestly one of, is a pretty sarcastic generation. You know, we grew up with just making jokes constantly towards anyone at everyone's expense, which isn't a bad thing. I'm, a, I'm also an advocate for, you know, uh, making people better themselves in the best way possible. But in terms of sarcasm and comedy and humor, like I said, with the stark contrast. Uh, we're talking with Braden uh, Sorbo. Braden, you cut out a little bit there. We'll see. There, there, you, there you're coming back. Sorry, I lost you for a second there, but um, no, it's okay. Um, Braden, uh, what's an example from the book or, or, or maybe maybe a more uh, uh, current understanding current events through sarcasm? What's a good example like today? How would you uh, how would you understand, say, the January 6th Select Committee? Or I don't know. I mean, give me you give me an example of how you'd how you would frame one of these things uh, and talk about them. How I would frame it and talk about it, it would simply just be a matter of looking at it, just like how I wrote my book, through the eyes of the class clown, right? right. I'm always one to make jokes and to, bring, and to bring comedy into the dark, dense, hateful sphere that is politics. And so when it comes to talking about anything, it can be really hard to, to, to verbally kind of explain your point in a non-angry way in today's you know, time and age. But I found that just, just talking about it and letting the jokes kind of flow naturally is my best way of reaching people. And that's, that's what I did. 
Um, again, the book is uh, The BS Guide to Politics, Understanding Current Events Through Sarcasm. How do you, as a young uh, man, and I guess you voted in the last election, so, but not the one, uh, not the one before mm-hmm. that, but how do you, how do you, I mean, Trump's sarcastic. A lot of Trump's humor is pure, like sarcasm. Like, uh, how, how do you relate to that? I mean, again, and how, and maybe differently, if he's, he's pretty darn effective. He's got great comic timing. Um, and, and he loves it. Um, I bet you like it. I bet you find it entertaining. But how do you how do your uh, contemporaries find Trump? So I love it as as just me, the sarcastic joke making guy. I love the dryness in his humor. I love the timing. And it, it's really good to get his point across. You know, we've had too many politicians in the world. It was time that someone ran America like a business, which is what it should be. And that's why so many young conservatives are in favor of him. There is the the you know, the backlash of well he's too stark he's too you know this he should be more polite but frankly he shouldn't everyone is too nice and it's fake and so it was good to finally see someone who wasn't willing to be fake just to appear nice in front of a camera it was nice to see someone who was for back of a for lack of a better word real in front of the american people and that's what i want to be uh, Braden Sorbo, the book is the BS guide to politics, understanding current events through sarcasm available anywhere you get books. Um, are you a lot of young people when you, when they poll them say, Oh man, the country's headed in the wrong direction. I, I don't see the future. Well, I'm kind of, uh, I've got all kinds of issues. I watch TikTok too much or I'm on Instagram way too much. Um, you're pretty optimistic. I, I think I know why, but I, I, I'm, if you are optimistic, why are you optimistic? And how do you, how do you, um, describe that to people? I'm optimistic because it's too obvious to not notice at this point all the evil going on in the world. The the left has found that they can, you know, promote movies that are made for kids with couples kissing in it, which is just completely, you know, it's not something five-year-olds should be looking at. Teachers are promoting their gender ideologies on these small children, and the problem was they thought they could get away with it, and they're now understanding too little too late that they can't. And so that's what makes me optimistic is that so many people are waking up so quickly because they've essentially just been slapped in the face with the truth and the reality of the world. And also it's harsh and although it's dark. Uh, we're talking again with uh, Br- uh, Braden Sorbo. Um, Braden, uh, politics, are young people turned on by it because there's so much action in Twitter and Instagram and Facebook and all, or are they turned off by it because they just see it as uh, all broken? They're, they're more involved than they've ever been. Our generation is the most invested in politics because it's the easiest time to get involved hmm. because of social media. It makes it so simple to go on and post more involved than ever before. Yeah, well, it's. Uh, I think it's great that you're out there and involved the way you are, and I think uh, people will enjoy the book. And thank you for taking the time. I know it's busy, and we'll catch up soon. Keep us on. Uh, keep us informed on what you're up to. Thank you very much. Braden Sorbo, everybody. Thank you for having me. Okay, you're welcome. We'll take a quick break, everybody. We'll be right back. It's Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Back in a moment.
Welcome back. Welcome back. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. I referred earlier in the week uh, to this uh, interview. Uh, our next guest is an uh, investigative journalist, uh, been a political commentator, uh, but also a filmmaker, Joel Gilbert, at Joel S. Gilbert on Twitter, and uh, a couple of websites, MichelleObama24.com uh, is one that you can look at his uh, documentary on Michelle Obama, and he has an accompanying, accompanying book out just a few weeks ago, Michelle Obama 2024 her real life story and plan for power. Uh, welcome, Joel Gilbert. How are you, sir? Okay, great to be here. Thank you. Well, so first of all, um, it looks more and more like Joe Biden won't run. I don't think anybody can deny that. Um, how serious are the tea leaves or the indications that Michelle Obama would run? Not that she could, but would run. What do you think? Uh, I think they're so serious that uh, over a year ago, I set out to make a film Mm -hmm. Uh, making the case that she will be running and that she was already running and also a book of the same name that I just released last week. Uh, Yeah, I did a world premiere at the National Press Club. I think if you just look at Michelle's Twitter, uh, look at her Twitter account, it's obvious she's running for president. I think it's been in the works for some time. And I uh, if you look at the trailer, I make the the brief case uh, there that uh, she's following the same path of Barack Obama. Uh, Barack was the keynote speaker in 2004 for John Kerry. Michelle was the keynote speaker for Joe Biden at the Democrat convention in 2020. That's the slot that they set aside for the person they think will be the nominee at the next convention. Uh, Of course, Barack based his candidacy on his personal story, his best-selling book, Dreams from My Father. Michelle wrote Becoming, her own memoir in 2018. She's still on a book tour, actually, even to this day, promoting the book. And of course, uh, Barack started this organization called Project Vote back in 1992 to register 150,000 blacks to vote in Chicago. And Michelle has this group called When We All Vote. So I make the case that she's following the same path. She's kind of laying back. But to me, it's clear she's already running. And what I did is a deep dive into her personal history, her background in Chicago, her family's background, her education. And it turns out, uh, as I say, Michelle Obama is not who she pretends to be. Um, we're talking with uh, Joel Gilbert. Um, and yet, uh, does it, I mean, maybe may I'm totally wrong. They, they come back often is, oh, well, she doesn't really want the scrutiny. She's not as comfortable as he was in the limelight and all. Is there anything to that? Uh, no, not at all. Uh, Michelle is actually a better politician than Barack. She's a better speaker. She comes across more authentic. Uh, she actually has been political all her life. And she was, you'll recall, she was so political back in 2008. She uh, had said to a crowd on, on one of her campaign stops, she said, uh, for the first time in my life, I'm proud of my country. So it, she was so political, it started to hurt the campaign. So they kind of reeled her in and said, OK, Michelle, you hate politics and you just want to be the mom in chief. So they kind of pulled her back a little bit, but she has always been all politics all the time. And she's still out there pushing all these voter initiatives today. And I think uh, you'll find that she'll be, you know, announcing for president, I think, sometime next spring. 
Uh, MichelleObama24.com is, uh, one, is one place you can see Joel Gilbert's uh, film. The trailer's there. I've watched it. It's, uh, it is compelling. It kind of gives me a sinking feeling, though, um, because I wonder if it, you know, again, they, the Obamas went out of office and, and pulled a uh, Joe Biden uh, a times about 15. They, they made a boatload of money, hundreds and hundreds of millions of dollars, or at least I think it's reported a couple hundred million. But um, so they don't have to worry about money. And um, uh, probably even your book um, comes up with some things, but probably they're their bet is that they've been vetted, right? That she has been through the brightest of the bright lights. Um, let me go into one of these. Bernadette, Bernadine Dorn comes back around um, mm-hmm. as, as an early supporter, uh, early mentor of Michelle Obama. Tell us about her again. Right. That's a, a deep dive I took into Michelle's past. I spoke to three of her boyfriends, uh, kindergarten classmates, high school classmates, her college professor at, uh, at uh, Princeton, and I found out that, of course, uh, Bernadine Dorn, who was the head of the SDS and Weather Underground, anti-American radical, who was accused of personally placing a bomb that killed a police officer in San Francisco, turns out she's Michelle's close friend and mentor for years. They met at Sidley Austin Law Firm, where Michelle worked for three years. And Michelle and Barack had dinner at their house weekly for years. So they're... She was very close to Bernadine Dorn. I think Bernadine Dorn radicalized Michelle. And I go into this thing called the politics of fear that Bernadine Dorn has been talking about since the 60s. And I show that Michelle Obama mimicked her word for word on the 2008 campaign trail. So you can't overstate the influence of of Bernadine Dorn on Michelle Obama. Did she get pardoned by Obama? Did somebody pardon her? Because she she did have a she had a record, right? I mean, what is she? Did she? I, I don't know if she did. She was on the run for a long time, and then she turned herself in, right? So, um, but did she get pardoned by Obama or somebody else? No, she was spent six months in jail for refusing to testify oh. uh, against Catherine Boudin, who was involved in that Brinks robbery where three guards were killed, uh, and and then she adopted Bernadine Dorn's child, Chesa Boudin, who became the uh, DA of San Francisco that was just removed. So there's a radical uh, past and connection to Bernadine Dorn that no one really knows about that I do detail in the film and the book. Did you, we're talking again, Joel Gilbert, um, and you can go, uh, I'll put all this up on social media. His book is available everywhere. Books are sold on uh, Michelle Obama 2024 and uh, website for the film, Mich- uh, excuse me, Michelle Obama 24.com. Um, uh, Joel, um, did you come at this? Are, are you a conservative for lifelong? Are you a, are you a someone who um, shifted over the years? Or what, how did you get to the point that you wanted to do this? Well, I produced uh, films on uh, music history, uh, Bob Dylan, uh, comedies on Paul McCartney, Elvis Presley. And then I made a, a Middle East documentary called Farewell Israel, Bush, Iran and the Revolt of Islam back in 2007. That's really my area of expertise. And then I kind of stumbled on to looking into Barack Obama's background. I'm pretty well known for a film called Dreams for My Real right, Father. Right, right, right. Of I course. present evidence that a mountain of evidence that. Obama's real dad was not the Kenyan, but it was the guy that raised him in Hawaii, Frank Marshall Davis. So I've kind of been a always been conservative politically. Mm -hmm. And uh, I just saw all the signs uh, following the Obamas for the years that Michelle was planning to run for president. And that's why I put this together. By the way, you can live stream the film or get the DVD on SalemNow.com. Oh, great. Okay, great. Thank you for that. Um, So, Joel, um, I hate to say it like this, but 
it, it was probably easier to be a documentary filmmaker, a conservative in the era of Obama than it is today. I mean, today you probably take your life in your hands. And I'm, only, I'm not kidding, actually. I mean, people are so, uh, so r- r- ramped up and so revved up. Um, is that true? It, because it seems feels like it's much more dangerous. I don't feel that that's a problem right now. I no. think uh, my films uh, speak for themselves. Uh, you watch the film and you learn a lot about Michelle's background and uh, especially things like the fact that she was no friend of the black community. She spent her childhood running away from the black community. And then in Chicago, when she worked uh, in her career, she worked for the mayor of Chicago as assistant planning commissioner. I go into detail how she helped knock down the projects, made about 20,000 blacks homeless, uh, and then went on to work for the University of Chicago, where she was hired to head up something called the Southside Health Collaborative. And this was where Michelle headed up this organization to prevent black Southsiders from getting medical care at the University of Chicago and actually dump them in these crappy neighborhood clinics. They would actually put them in these vans and dump them there. And Michelle was all about uh, working for wealthy white Democrat elites to take services and homes away from black people. And then to add insult to injury for politics, she pretends to be one of these ordinary black folks that she spent her life exploiting and selling out. So you learn about that in the film. Uh, Joel Gilbert is again, our guest, the filmmaker. What, what's the, by the way, highway 61 ENT.com is also one of, I guess that's your production company. And there's lots of yes. description of those uh, of, of any, including a link to your IMDB uh, um, um, uh, entry. Uh, what was the single biggest surprise? Now you had done documentaries on Barack Obama. So you had a sense of the game. Um, you, you know, you've done, you did things on Trump. Um, you've done lots of different uh, Trayvon, um, uh, Trayvon, um, the Trayvon hoax, it's called the what was the biggest surprise you found when you dug into Michelle Obama? Well, uh, there's lots of revelations. Uh, one of the bigger ones is, you know, the fact that Michelle has been chronically uh, telling stories of suffering racial discrimination growing up. And it turns out she had a very privileged childhood. One of the stories she's been telling for 15 years, for example, is uh, she talks about being racially profiled by her high school counselor as regards her Princeton application, uh, telling Gail King as you know, recently as last year that the counselor said, well, you're black. Maybe you're stretching by applying to Princeton. Turns out her counselor is a black woman, church going uh, <laughs> assistant principal. And right. there's no way she racially profiled Michelle. She knew her for years. So Michelle's been chronically trying to manipulate black voters with these phony claims of racial discrimination to get their sympathy and votes. So I would say it's that Michelle is a very manipulative person and tells these stories uh, and, you know, dresses in certain ways to manipulate uh, ordinary black folks pretending to be one of them when really she spent her whole career in Chicago uh, exploiting them. Um, we're, again, our guest uh, and available on uh, all these websites. I'll put them up. Uh, Joel Gilbert is a filmmaker and the one Michelle Obama, 24.com. Um, Joel, um, if she runs, and you're saying she will, does she win the nomination? And then will she win for president? I think she easily wins the nomination for the Democrats. She's the uh, most popular person on the planet. She's gotten about $15 billion, I calculated, actually, of free, positive earned media on the cover of every magazine you can imagine, People, Glamour, Vogue, you name it. 
So I think she is far and above the most popular, beloved Democrat, and she'll appeal to nostalgia. Remember how much you love the Obama years. I think she can transcend. <laughs> yeah, she can yeah. transcend all the policy failures uh, just based on her name. And I think a Republican is going to, you know, have to take her on and say things like, you know, Michelle needs to apologize for what she did to the black community in Chicago. That would open a whole can of worms. Uh, so I think she is vulnerable in as much as her vulnerability has to do with her uh, being white, of her aspiring to be white and be with white people and always running away from black people and uh, just exposing her as, as kind of a phony. And I think uh, a Republican will have to take her on and not be afraid because the, the media will call anyone who criticizes her a racist, sexist, hater. So she'll be a formidable opponent. So, yes or no, she wins for president in 2024. I can't say if she'll win. It depends who takes her on and, and if they're willing to take her on. Uh, yeah. That's, that's going to be the thing. But I think she has a good chance. Mm-hmm. And you'll, you'll learn about her real-life history. Go to SalemNow.com. You can oh, live yeah. stream or get the DVD. Or Amazon has the book version. SalemNow.com. All right, Joel Gilbert, thank you. We'll have you on again. It's very interesting. We could probably spend hours and hours getting into all the details. So uh, uh, SalemNow.com, Joel S. Gilbert uh, on Twitter. And uh, we'll talk again soon, sir. Thank you. Okay, thanks so much. All right, we'll take a break, everybody, and we'll be right back. It's Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report back in a moment. This is the Phyllis Schlafly Report, a daily commentary continuing the conservative pro-family legacy of Phyllis Schlafly. Now the president of Phyllis Schlafly Eagles, Ed Martin. Disconnecting prostitution from the human trafficking industry is a nearly impossible task. Yet many on the left have managed to perform the extreme mental gymnastics necessary to convince themselves that prostitution is a worthwhile career that should be applauded. By changing the term from prostitution to the more whitewashed nomenclature of sex work, They hope to insulate themselves from the real-world repercussions of their depraved policy positions. A middle school librarian in Loudoun County, Virginia, is discovering firsthand that we the people won't willingly sit by while our children are lured into child sex trafficking rings. A horrible book was discovered in the library in Loudoun County entitled Seeing Gender, An Illustrated Guide to Identity and Expression. The contents of the book are even more awful than the title implies. One chapter entitled, Sex Work is Not a Bad Term, seeks to justify prostitution to children by comparing it to working as a store clerk, an architect, or a freelance writer. Remember, this book is placed in a middle school library where the age of most patrons will be 11 to 13 years old. Librarian Stephanie Guido incredibly said that the book is an important resource to students because some of them are sex workers themselves. The teacher who heard Guido say that some of the children are prostitutes reported her to the police, and rightly so. The teacher is, after all, a mandatory reporter who's required to report suspected child sexual abuse. Prostitution is not just another job. Women and children are victimized by the evil practice every single day. Opposition to prostitution is not about showing moral approbation for someone who has made questionable life choices. Opposing prostitution is about saving those women and children who are coerced into an evil cycle of degradation and humiliation against their will. Any school librarian 
who affirms prostitution as a healthy choice for children should be immediately fired and investigated. This has been the Phyllis Schlafly Report from Phyllis Schlafly Eagles. The liberal agenda is corrupting classrooms in colleges and schools across the country. If you're a parent, teacher, or administrator who really cares about our children, we promise to keep you informed at phyllisschlafly.com. And let us hear from you at phyllisschlafly.com. Thanks for listening, and join us again next time for the Phyllis Schlafly Report. Welcome back. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Hey, let me give you a list of ways you can get in touch with me. I get some of the listeners that have tracked me down. I don't say it enough, so let me do a couple things. You can always email me directly. Email me directly at ed at phyllisschlafly.com. E-D at phyllisschlafly.com. Always goes right. It goes right to my phone. It's right here. Uh, wherever I am, it's with me. You can also text me. I have a texting line that's been just dedicated. It also goes right to my phone. 314-256-1776. 314-256-1776. Don't worry. It's not my phone number, so it won't ring and mess things up. It's just a texting line that I got because I love that. Years ago, I got it when I went and started a business. I got that number, 1776. So I kept it. I've always kept it all these years. 314-256-1776. 314-256-1776. Twitter, at Eagle Ed Martin. Over on Gab and others, uh, at Ed Martin. Facebook, Ed Martin Live. But the two easiest ways are ed at phyllishlafly.com and... 314-256-1776. All right, everybody. As always, thank you to Noah and Joanna. We'll be back tomorrow. It's Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Talk to you then. This is the Pro-America Report on The Answer, San Diego. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.